Well, hey, USF BCM, what's going on? Uh, I just want to say it's so good to be with you tonight. Uh, I came here in the building, and it's been over a year uh, before I've come into this space and seen it set up for a service on a Thursday night, and I just got to say it warmed my heart. So I'm really happy to see a lot of you, some familiar faces, uh, and I'm just grateful for you. And just want to say thank you, Jay, so much for the invitation to come out and speak tonight. Appreciate how you're leading this ministry and what God's doing in and through it. And so I had the opportunity to connect with Jay on the phone over the last couple of weeks to talk about an opportunity that we have this upcoming Saturday to go out and extend the hope of the gospel here in Tampa Bay at Armature Works. So I'd love to see you there. I'd love for you to come out. We're going to be gathering in the lobby of Armature Works at 9.45 a.m. this Saturday and then going out right at 10 o'clock to go out on the boardwalk and to go share the gospel. And so to help prepare our hearts and minds for that time, I'm going to unpack a little bit of scripture tonight for you and then give you just a simple and effective tool for us to go out that day. So I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4. And tonight we're going to be looking at verses 13 to 22. And so as you're turning there, I want to give you a word that I want you to reflect on for just a moment. And that word is urgency. So I want you to take a moment, just go ahead and just wrestle with that, start to think about it. And I want you to analyze uh, the emotions that are welling up in you right now. And uh, so for many of you, when you hear that word urgency, the, uh, the anxiety is already starting to well up inside of you. Uh, maybe you're starting to feel a little tense. Uh, maybe a little sweat is beginning to, uh, beginning to perspirate on your forehead as you think about that word, because for so often, uh, that word in our lives is associated with something negative. And so, uh, for example, you are living with urgency when you are trying to get your assignment in right before 11.59, and you know if you don't, you're going to get an F on that assignment. You're living with urgency when you are going to a work appointment that you know you're late for, and you are speeding in traffic to try to get there on time. And for some of you, maybe you're trying to salvage and save a relationship in your life with urgency and so for so often in our lives there are moments with that with that word that there are negative uh, connotations associated with it but in light of scripture and in light of the call of the great commission upon our lives i want to shift our focus a little bit i want to reframe that word and i want us to understand that in light of the gospel in light of the call to go reach people with the hope of Jesus Christ, urgency is a good thing. Better yet, it is a great thing for us to live in light of uh, the urgency that God has placed upon our life to reach people with the gospel. And so tonight, I'm going to be unpacking what it means to live with urgency. And here's the one thing I want you to take away tonight. Live your life characterized by gospel urgency. When people look at you from a distance, when people see how you're living, I want us to show that we are living on mission for a purpose, for the glory of God. And so it's good for you to live with urgency. And so tonight, what I'm going to leave you with is three principles, three characteristics of what it looks like to live with gospel urgency. And so I'm going to read this portion of scripture. I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to dive right in. And so in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, this is what it says. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. 
But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a noble miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And so, Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for the truth of your word. God, I'm thankful that this story that we might have read many, many, many times, as we open it up tonight, God, I'm thankful that you use the truth of it once again to shape and mold our hearts. And so, God, give us a sense of urgency in our life. God, burden us to go out and reach people with the gospel. And Lord, I'm thankful that we can take the truth of this word and live it out even this upcoming weekend, even this Saturday. So God, I ask that as we step out with urgency, God, meet people through this hope and meet them and change their life as we speak and proclaim your your gospel. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so where we pick up tonight in Acts chapter 4, Pentecost has happened. The Holy Spirit has been poured out upon Gentiles and Jews. The church has been born and the world is being turned upside down by the gospel. And so right now, Peter and John are going all through Jerusalem and they're preaching the gospel. And what happens is there is a group named the Sanhedrin. And so this was a group of people who were appointed in the different cities of Israel who were the uh, kind of the key holders of the city. They were the religious officials, and they were a mix of groups. Some were uh, Pharisees, some were Sadducees. And in this moment, Peter and John are preaching the gospel. They heal a man, and then they are arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin to be judged. And so it's amazing as what you see is two ordinary men, Peter and John, coming before these religious elites, these people who are well-versed in the scripture, well-versed in the uh, covenants of God, and their lineage as Jews. And in this moment, to keep these men from upending what they have known for many, many years, they're trying to push back and silence them by threatening them. And so what I love about this moment in Scripture, and what I love what we can learn about their witness, is that throughout history, the men and women that God have used, the men and women that God has worked and spoken through weren't the wise Uh, They weren't the elite of their time, but they were ordinary people who served an extraordinary God. And what's amazing is that in this moment, as they're standing before these men, they have a question they have to ask, and that is, am I going to be faithful to men or to God? Am I going to do what God has called me to do, or am I going to cave, and I'm going to shrink back from what God has called me to do? And so what we see here is that two men have decided to radically live for God and to proclaim his gospel. And what we see right now is that these men and every other person that God has used greatly in scripture has lived with gospel urgency. And so often what characterizes that is boldness. And so that's the first characteristic I want to entrust with you tonight, that I want to call you even this week as we get prepared to go out on Saturday, man, start walking in the boldness of the Lord to go out and proclaim his word. 
And so what I love that we can see here is that boldness is uh, infectious. It's, it's contagious, and it inspires people to come alongside with them. And, you know, you're at a point in your life right now where you're on your campus, and I just want to highlight this for just a moment as a side note. You know, you're going to run into people all the time who are really passionate about things. You know, you're going to walk into people on your campus who are passionate about the uh, political party they're affiliated with. You're going to find people who are passionate about being on the student government here. You're going to find people who are passionate about the fraternity that they're in. But what the difference we see in scripture is that there's a difference between passion and boldness. And the difference is passion often is rooted in emotionalism. Passion is often rooted in an overflow of emotion pouring out of people that are passionate about a particular idea. But boldness is different in that you have to put some skin in the game when you're bold about something. Because what you realize is when you step out and you push back against what the culture says is normal or how you should live, you might have to pay a price for that. And so what we see right here is that these men step out and are bold. And I'm excited what we'll see in just a moment. But as I thought about that boldness and living in light of that, I was drawn back to a time where I was in college. And so um, I became a Christian my freshman year out of college. God redeemed me out of radical circumstances and just opened my eyes to who he was and began to work in and through me in the lives of the relationships that God had just placed intentionally around me. And so I came to college an unbeliever. I had no idea what I wanted to do, no direction in life, and began to prioritize all the wrong things. And so I came into college and was partying every week in downtown. I pledged a fraternity and was just not caring about my grades at all. And so um, after my first semester did terrible, I had to leave for a, for a semester and then come back after that summer. And I was re-pledging that fraternity once again. And so when I got in there, what I realized that now where I was at, I had an opportunity to impact my fraternity brothers with the gospel. And so what I realized over that year, really two years that I had that intentional time with them to share with them and live out my faith, many of them who did not have a relationship with God and he did not know what it meant to be a child of his began to see how I was living and they were just drawn to the boldness that I was displaying in my life. And they would come to me at moments of crisis and they would come to me at moments where they didn't know where else to go and they would ask me questions about why I live differently. And so through that season, even though I had pushback and even though I had people that had completely opposite beliefs than me, what was amazing is come to, coming to a place where for some of them, they did not place their faith in Christ, but they were able to respect and appreciate the boldness that I displayed. And we left college having a mutual respect for one another. And so what I want to challenge you with tonight and encourage you, you might be a se in a season of your life where you're like, hey, I don't even know what I should major in. I don't know what I'm doing after school, where I'm going to work. I don't even know what's happening with my friend group right now. But if you're ever at a moment in your life where you don't know what to do, always be bold. If you're at a moment of your life where you don't know the next step, just commit to say, I am just going to live intentionally right where I'm at, living boldly for Jesus and step out to make his name known. And what I can tell you is that when you do that, and when you start to take those steps of faith in your life, you're going to experience some pushback. You're going to experience some, some maybe um, some scorn. But what ultimately happens is through that process, as you continue to take step after step after step and become more bold, you become resilient through that. 
And so that's the second value I want to live with you, leave with you tonight is gospel urgency is characterized by resilience. And so look with me again at verses 15 to 18 in Acts chapter 4. This is what it says. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in his name. And so what I was talking about before, like when you begin to take those steps and when you begin to start to live with resilience in light of the gospel, you're going to experience pushback and you're going to experience opposition. You're going to experience times where you want to give up. But in the moments where you hit those walls and in the moments where you have, you feel like I have no energy or I can't go forward any more than I am. Those are the moments where you have to be really honest with yourself and say, can I keep going forward by God's grace? Can I look to who Jesus is and allow who he is and his character and his holiness and what he's done in my life continue to propel me to go forward? And I believe that wherever you're at, whatever you're walking through, if you stop and take a step back and in those moments look up to him, you will be met by God and he'll be able to help you persevere through that. And I can stand upon that truth because I believe God's word, but I can stand upon that truth because what I've seen God do in and through my life. And so um, after that season of college, after I learned to live out in my faith, um, experiencing boldness, or excuse me, modeling boldness, uh, experiencing some resilience and pushback in my life, I realized I was growing more and more in my faith. And during that time, I got plugged into a campus ministry uh, crew, very similar to the BCM and began to get discipled and began to share the gospel. And through that time, I started to sense God calling me into ministry. And so when I first experienced that call, it completely freaked me out. I was like, uh-uh, I'm not having that. And so I pushed back. I tried to run from that. But as I had more and more people speak into my life, um, I began to realize, man, I believe this is what God's truly calling me to do. And so uh, my wife is here tonight. We met my junior year of college. And uh, she graduated before I did, came down to Tampa, and I sensed that the next step in my life was to enroll in seminary. And so uh, in a step of faith, I came down to Tampa from St. Louis. I had never really been to the South before. I said, man, I'm going all in. This is where I feel God is calling me. And so I uh, moved down to Tampa, enroll in a seminary program that I was doing here in Tampa remotely and going to a satellite campus and working full time in the service industry at a coffee shop. And so uh, I began, man, just so excited. I was in a three-year program. I'm like, let's get after it. Let's go. I'm ready. And so I started enrolling in classes. I began to meet people and actually get plugged into a local church here to serve in a college ministry. And so I came in excited, ready to seek after what God had for me. But as the months dragged on and as I didn't feel like I was getting clarity about what my next step was, when I was taking those steps, not feeling like doors were opening, and it was year after year after year of still being at this coffee shop, still having to humble myself and serve people each day, still feeling like, man, I don't even know what's, what's next. Is God going to come through in my life? I will admit to you that there were moments where I felt like I wanted to give up. 
There are moments that I felt like I didn't have the energy or the ability to keep pressing on, working all the time, doing school all the time, feeling like I was banging my head up against the wall and nothing was happening. And what I can tell you is that there are moments where temptation came in. I could have stepped away and pursued other things. I could have uh, gone in a different direction. I could have done what the world was telling me to do at that time. But what I came to over and over and over again was I felt like in the quiet moments of my life where I blocked everything out and got alone with the Lord, the Lord kept laying this vision upon my heart. The Lord kept telling me, I'm not done with you yet, and you need to keep going forward. And what's amazing, what I can testify to you today is that God was faithful through that. As I kept taking that step, even in the moments where I was feeling that pushback, even in the moment where I had to exercise resilience in my life and keep pressing forward, God opened a door. And God allowed me to be right where I'm at tonight, bringing me all the way to you so that I, I can present the gospel to you and present this hope that wherever you're at, do not give up. Keep pressing forward. God has not forgotten about you. Do not give up and keep moving. And I believe that when you call out to Jesus, when you look beyond yourself and look to his strength, asking that he would pour his grace into your life by his spirit, he'll continue to propel you forward and he'll continue to give you what you need to take you right where you need to be. And what you see and what you notice that through that, when you see God being faithful to you, what you realize is that God hardens and moldens, molds and shapes conviction in your life that's rooted in who he is and what he's accomplished. And so I want you to turn with me one more time. We're going to look at verses 19 through 22. This is what it says. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people they, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And so what you see here is a type of conviction that is welling up in Peter and John that can only come when you see God work in a powerful way. When you continue to step out in boldness, when you exert resilience by God's grace in the midst of opposition, sharing the gospel, living with urgency, and you see God show up in the moments of your life, and you see God do incredible things, and you see God work in a powerful way to make his name known in and through you, you realize who God is, and you realize that you can trust in him. And so what I love about the BCM and what I love about Mission Hills College Ministry is that we create spaces where you can take steps of faith and you can grow in your walk and see that God that we come and worship and see that God that is revealed in Scripture working in and through your life. And so what I'm excited about to share with you is that this upcoming Saturday, we have an opportunity to go out and to display all of these things at Armature Works. Man, when we show up at 9.45 a.m. and then start walking down the boardwalk, walking up to people that we've never met and engaging them in conversation, you're going to have to lead with boldness. You're going to have to lead with resilience. You're going to have to lead with conviction. But what I believe is that when we go out and when we take that step of faith and extend the hope of the gospel, we go for the people that aren't here yet. We take those steps of faith, even though we've been rejected and pushed back 
and uh, just, just people that aren't even interested in what we have to say over and over and over again in our life, we take that next step this Saturday because you never know the impact of what that one step will mean. So I shared with you that my wife is from Tampa, uh, came down here about five years ago. And what was amazing is to hear the story of how God worked in and through my wife's family. So my wife's family was originally from St. Louis, where I'm from, and they moved down 30 years ago uh, to Tampa. And so they got married in the Catholic Church. They came down here, and they were since early on in their marriage, man, our marriage has to be built upon more than uh, what it is right now. There's something more that we need in our life. And what they realized quickly is that uh, that needed to be God. And so they began to attend the Catholic Church down here in Brandon. And what happened was a fundamental transformation of the trajectory of their life because of the faithfulness of one small child. And so living in Brandon, having just built a house, they were out in their yard one day when a five-year-old son of their, their neighbors came walking over into their yard. And what happened next was he opened his mouth and he began to share about the love of Jesus Christ. Five years old, sharing the gospel with these people. And in that moment, what they said is, man, if this kid is this fired up about his faith and knows as much as he does at this age, we got to go wherever they're at. And so they went to this church. And what happened is that God reached in in a moment of their life and transformed the trajectory of their life by saving them by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They went into this church. They heard the gospel, the fact that Jesus came into the earth, fully God and fully man and walked among us, that he proclaimed the gospel, that he healed people, that he fulfilled prophecy, and that ultimately he went to the cross to absorb the wrath of God's punishment against sin. And when Jesus was on the cross, he died and went into the ground for three days. But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and now anyone who places their faith in hope in him will be saved. And so what they did is chose, we want this Jesus. We want everything that he has. We want to go all in. We want everything that he has for our life, and that's what they've done. They've done. And what's amazing is that you can look back now, 30 years later, and see the lineage of what God has done in and through their life. Mike and Ginny have raised a godly family. They've helped start a missions organization. They're faithful members in their church, and they've done these things by the grace of God and his spirit working in and through their life, bringing alongside the people that they needed right where they were at. And God impressed upon their hearts all those years ago a sense of gospel urgency, that they couldn't have one foot in and one foot out and not go all in. This is going to be something that they had to do for their entire life, and so they have done that. And so those are the type of stories that are going to motivate us and propel us to go out this Saturday and share the hope of the gospel. And so when you come out and we gather together in that lobby and we pray and we begin to take those steps down the boardwalk, for some of you, this might be the first time you've ever done this in your life. For some of you, you may have never walked up to someone that you do not know and just start sharing the gospel with them. And so what I want you to know is that you are going to be paired up with people and we are going to be there to support you every step of the way. But if you come this Saturday and you take that step and you go to open your mouth and you don't know what to say, I want to give you a really simple but effective method for how to share the gospel. So if you do not know what to say, just remember one word, and that is Lord. And so the way that you can walk up to someone at Armature Works and engage them in the gospel, or maybe here on your campus, 
is by opening up in a genuine question of if you can pray for them. And so I have realized through the process of trying different things, engaging people in different ways, this is one of the most effective ways to cool the temperature and just come to a place where you feel like you're trying to engage them in a genuine way with just even a conversation. And so if I was to walk up to someone at Armature Works, I might say something like this. I would walk up and say, hey, my name's Connor. I love this city. And this morning, I'm just walking around asking people how I can pray for them today. And so what's going to happen in that situation is one of two things. Uh, either they're going to say no, and uh, at that point, you know, hey, this person is not a person of peace. They're not open to the, the gospel of Jesus at this moment of their life. And you can say, hey, it was a pleasure meeting you. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. But if there's a moment where people are open to say yes, and what I have been surprised upon in my opportunities to share the gospel is that there are even atheists who want you to pray for them. So you have an open door in this, in this way to communicate with people. And if someone says yes, you can just pray for them. Ask them, hey, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you right now? And then when they give you those requests, pray for them. And at the time when you wrap up, you can make a seamless transition and say something like this. Hey, man, I love praying with you today. I appreciate your openness. The reason that I'm out here today is because nine years ago, there was a moment in my life where someone shared with me that God in the beginning loved the world. He created it. He created everything that you see, that you see and he created people and he loves them. God loves you, but there was a moment in the beginning where because of human beings' disobedience, they turned their back on God. They sinned against God, and in that moment, sin entered the world and with it death. And for that point on, people were separated from God. Offenses, oh. But what's amazing is that are the remedy. God sent his son into the world to live a sinless life, the life that you and I could never live and God went to the cross. He died absorbing the wrath of sin, but ultimately he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. And now you have the opportunity to believe in him and trust in him for salvation. D, decision. What is keeping you from making a decision today? Simple, quick, effective. You can get right to it and challenge them in a loving way to even respond in that moment to the gospel. You're going to have people that are going to hear that and they're going to be interested. If you want to make this a regular rhythm in your life, at that moment you can say, hey, why don't we come back and talk about this more if they're not ready to make a decision and say, let's meet at a Starbucks right over here at 6 o'clock. But for our purposes on Saturday, when you call someone to make a decision, if someone does, praise the Lord. Connect with them, maybe get their phone number so that you can follow up with them. But if they don't, what I would encourage you to do is leave them with a meaningful decision excuse me, a meaningful question. Ask them something meaningful that will keep those thoughts ruminating in their mind. Something like, hey, do you want to know what this hope means in your life? Do you want this to impact you in some kind of way? Leave them with a meaningful question that will keep them reflecting on what you shared with them. And I believe that over time, uh, God will honor that and God will water that seed in their life. And God will bring those people alongside that will continue to share with them for the hope that they will turn and repent of their sin and trust in him. And so if you have any questions about that this upcoming Saturday, I'd love to share that with you. Um, I'd love to just to pour into your life. I'm excited to pray with you before we go out. Know that I'm really excited. I've invited some of our student leaders on our student ministry to come and pair up with you. 
It sees someone who's just a little farther ahead of them, modeling faithfulness in their life. And I believe that as we go out, and I believe that as we reach others, that God is going to be glorified that day. And so I want to pray for us. I want to pray right now that God would honor our faithfulness this upcoming Saturday. But I also would like to invite you that if maybe you've been watching these challenges for a while, and maybe you're, you're in a season where you're learning more about what it means to be a Christian. The first step that you can take to go out and be prepared to share the gospel is accept this truth in your life. And so I would encourage you, find one of the leaders at the BCM, connect with your group tonight. And as you break out in your groups in just a moment, man, practice this. Practice sharing the gospel in your groups so that you can be prepared and pray that God would be glorified this upcoming Saturday. And so I'd invite you to pray with me right now. And so Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for who you are. God, I'm thankful that when we come into a relationship with you, God, you give us a purpose to live for. God, you give us a mission that we can seek after. And Lord, I'm thankful that by your spirit, you give us gospel urgency. And so Father, as we go out this Saturday, Lord, I ask that we would lead with, lead with boldness. God, I ask that we would lead with conviction. And God, I ask that we would lead with resilience, Lord. Honor our faithfulness, God. Draw people to yourself, God, not for our glory, but for yours. And Lord, we ask that we would be able to bring the hope to Tampa Bay, the hope of the gospel, and reach Tampa Bay and all nations. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.